While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody. Hello. Oh bother. Um, oh bother. The Omniplex is open. Yes. And today we're taking a little trip to Pooh Corner. Y'all, it's been a long, agonizing year for everyone. Everyone's nerves are shot. You can forgive us if we're just going to take the easy way out and choose something that is universally popular, universally beloved doesn't stress us out, and oh, and is also extremely good. Yeah, we need a reprieve. This is a great, ooh, this is a great reprieve. I wasn't prepared for how great a reprieve this was. Because that's the thing. <laughs> there is so much Winnie the Pooh, and it's shocking how little of it is bad. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, if you have access to Disney+, Plus, you pretty much have almost all of it. Almost. <laughs> Almost all of Almost. it. There are a few outliers here and there that only exist on YouTube. And, you know, we have to acknowledge that this is mostly going to be us looking at the Disney interpretation because outside of some very limited examples, there's really not another interpretation out there culturally. There's not in the West for certain. Mm-hmm. I right. thought that watching the first, like the, the original movie... Like, yeah, I guess it was based on a book, huh? And uh, this is the only version we know. And let's give Disney a lot of credit. Their version is pretty accurate to the books. Yeah. They they really, when they did the 2011 movie, they really stayed very close to some stories. Disney has, you know, there's some changes here and there, some tweaks, characters added, all that. Oh, yeah. But in terms of tone, if you know the Disney stuff, you pretty much know Winnie the Pooh. That's nice to hear. It is. It's very nice to hear. Because I'm a big fan of the A.A. Milne books. Um, and I've listened to, uh, there was an audiobook that I listened to with uh, Stephen Fry as Pooh and uh, Judy Dench as Kanga. That was great. That was great. Nice. But yeah, there are outliers within Pooh being adapted. And one of the earliest ones came from None other than Shirley Temple herself. Really? Yes. Huh. As part of Shirley Temple's storybook on NBC. Hmm. What year would this have been? Uh, 1960. Okay, so an older Shirley Temple. Yes, much older Shirley Temple. Not, That's you pretty know, cool. Not, yeah, not mm-hmm. the one from the, the infamous commercial. in my suit. <laughs> yes. Yes, the one that has been <laughs> seared into millennials' brains. But yeah, this version of Winnie the Pooh uh, more or less resembles the 2011 Disney film with how it's just an amalgamation of stories, but not really discrete stories like the uh, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And this one uses marionettes. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, I watched it and it's uh it's unsettling to say the <laughs> least, but not as unsettling as later adaptations. Which will let's which go on will... in. Can we just go on in and touch on that one? Because I feel like we're gonna spend so much time on the Disney. So let's just get the non-Disney out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because <laughs> the the only other one that I have here is the Soviet Winnie the Pooh. And there are three short cartoons I watched, I watched this morning and 
they're fascinating. Oh, they very much are, because this is a completely different style of poo than the West knows. There's no red shirt. Winnie the Pooh is more of almost like a tanuki, like yeah, like in Pompoko in a way, minus the minus the giant nut sack. Can't have everything. I see the I see the marionettes. By the way, I'm looking it up, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's something. <laughs> oh yeah, it it very much is. But yeah, the Soviet version there were. There were supposed to be multiple shorts, but we only got three of them. Uh, basically, it's the first two stories from uh, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, where he climbs the honey tree, he visits Rabbit, gets stuck in the hole, and then uh, the blustery day. And in this version, they decided to make Rabbit Chinese, or at least look a uh, 60s stereotype Chinese illustration, which hmm. I don't hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but but yeah, those can all be found on YouTube with uh, very accurate, yep, English subs. I actually what I actually have some a rough grasp of some of the, what they were saying because I noticed this morning I was like, yeah, I even without the subtitles, I had a rough grasp because I have absorbed so much weird stuff in my life. And and you know the stories, too. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing. I do know the stories. So what you're saying is that you you speak weird. I speak weird. <laughs> I speak weird. You speak fluent weird. I speak fluent weird. But yeah, highly recommend checking out the Soviet Winnie the Pooh. On, on YouTube if you're looking for something completely different. And now for something completely different. We will post the link to. Oh, yeah. yes. Absolutely. And uh, Winnie the Pooh had been adapted for theater before and after Disney here and there. But other than that, it's it's pretty much just Disney. Uh, Disney actually, they controlled merchandising rights for the character completely, which is probably a lot of why. Like, all the licensing rights are Disney. Yeah. I mean, they don't outright <laughs> own the stories. They don't outright own them completely. But it is such a cash cow for Disney that they might as well. Yeah. <laughs> However, credit due, this is something that they've handled with some real caution and care. I'm really impressed with what they've done with it. So... Let's talk about those shorts. Yes, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Now, they were originally short films, and then in 1977, it would they would be essentially compiled into a, a feature film. So you would have a, Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, and then Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2 all of which would eventually be re-released as separate stories on home video. I watched them in every possible iteration, so... Yes, but for most people, it's this particular film, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, that is the introduction to the boy and the bear and the rest of the menagerie, as it were. But... Yeah, this was, unsurprisingly, my intro to the bear as a kid. I had the videotape. Of course, now I, I have the Blu-ray for it, and it, it looks pristine. It It's pristine work right there. We really cannot underline enough how important Winnie the Pooh was to Disney during this period. This was kind of keeping them alive to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The 70s? Yeah, yeah the 70s, because yeah. you're looking at, uh, well, Walt died post-Jungle Book, so you're looking at the Aristocats, Robin Hood, this, Winnie the Pooh, and then the Rescuers as their 70s theatrical output. I actually have a book on Disney, post-Walt, pre-Eisner, 
I didn't know that there was such a huge gap between the rescuers and the rescuers down under. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I well, was not aware. <laughs> you wouldn't think of it because um, they actually re-released the rescuers brilliantly in 1989 mm-hmm. to get people uh-huh. ready to prime the pump. Nice. Because I saw both theatrically. Um, I saw Down Under first. Yeah. Uh, I saw them in order of that release. Uh, I love both. I love both. Um, I will say real quick, because we're on this, you know, that period for Disney is fascinating because they were just, they were so dead in the water. And you look at their animated films from this time. It's not very, it's not a good output, frankly. It's rough. Yeah. It is very rough. And so it really mattered that they had this in this age, because these shorts are some of the best looking things they did in this entire period. Mm hmm. Uh, this is some of the best animation that Disney had during their dark age. And uh, it, also they were hits. That's another big thing. This was a big cash infusion. Yeah, the, the, the animation is superb. Like I watched it because I, wa- I did watch this on my phone. And um, I could see the detail <laughs> that went into the animation uh, watching it up close mm-hmm. and in like Ultra HD. So... Yeah, I mean, I got, uh, I did get a lot out of watching it on my phone. Yeah, and even if, you know, if you're watching it on your phone or on on the screen, there is a considerable amount of care that's put into not not just the design of the characters, but also the backgrounds as well. It's it's so pastoral is the only term you can use for it. Oh, yes. It's soothing, it's peaceful, and it just makes you feel at ease watching it. If that's the quality that it really evokes. It's a very pastoral feeling. It's very soothing to be in this hundred acre wood. I know I definitely watched this particular film a lot as a child on VHS. It was a Disney Channel staple. So one of the patterns I noticed like in watching like the three the three features I did was uh the the villain in each of stories is always either like made up <laughs> by imagination or uh it's like an idea mm-hmm. mm, which is cool <laughs> which i mean makes sense mm-hmm. if you consider this is all in a little boy's head oh yes saint elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> what a twist <laughs> Yeah, but it, it makes sense. It's all about how does the outside world seem to a kid? And as an adult, I think that's one of the great fun things about going back to this is seeing the things that this kid saw in the woods that he then transformed into these ideas. And of course, you know, um, made stark by the fact that everything is wildly misspelled. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> and it's just accepted. Yeah. <laughs> misspelled and mispronounced too. Yes. The Baxon. Baxon, Jaguars, Expotition. Yes. Hufflepuff or, or ah, uh, Heffalump. Heffalumps. I'm sorry. Heffalumps and Woozles. My brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 really brilliant. Um and it, it never feels cloying. It never feels saccharine or on the it's like yeah, that's what it and I think that's why these work so well for kids eternally. It's because kids, they take this stuff at face value and then adults are like, yeah, I remember when I did that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's also really one of the first feature films that at least I can remember that as a kid would actually break the fourth wall. Yes. Mm-hmm. Be- because that does happen if throughout the film, at least during the... Uh, uh, connecting scenes between stories, as well as uh, in Tigger 2. Good. That will just give me time to tell you about my Uncle Clyde, a very independent barn owl. He didn't give a hoot for tradition. He became enamored of a pussy cat and went to sea in a beautiful pea-green boat. I'll talk from page 41 to page 62. And on page 62, the blustery day turned into a blustery night oh the yes fun they have with this in the 2011 film and i know we're gonna get to it yeah is yeah 
there is a lot of fourth wall breaking. There's a lot of awareness of the narrative. And and of the medium itself, of the book, because you see the letters blowing past in the blustery day. You have you have uh, the floodwaters uh, drown the letters. You have Tigger sliding down uh, a brick of text as a way to climb out of the tree. Yeah, that it's, was that was awesome. <laughs> it's clever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a real medium awareness in it that I think is brilliant and that I think is clever and that it teaches kids to be alert about how stories are told. It mm-hmm. teaches them to think about that. And also a subtle thing, it gets them reading. It gets mm-hmm. them noticing what the text is. <laughs> this is true. Be remiss without addressing that part of what makes this so wonderful is the music. Sherman Brothers. Mm-hmm. Sherman Brothers. Yeah. This was some of their best stuff. Um, says something. They were legends. Oh, yeah. And watching the non-Disney adaptations felt so weird. Yeah, it felt weird because you need, you associate that music with it. Those themes. But yeah, watching uh, like the Shirley Temple version, because like they did adapt some songs that Pooh sang that were from the books and put them to a melody of some kind, but it wasn't of the level of the Sherman brothers. And you, you really notice that. Oh, the butterflies are flying and the winter days are dying and the buttercups are trying to be seen. Now the time has come for booing, but the diet did for booing. The Russian version stuff is kind of awesome in its own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a vastly different style, too, but I could see how it's I, it would I think be that's what makes it so effective is that it's yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> I could see the same spirit, though. Yeah, oh, yes. again, I really dig the Russian stuff, but I really think people should experience it because it's just cool. Pretty much all of the cast is, I mean, you have Sterling Holloway as Winnie the Pooh, who at this point had already contributed uh, several roles to Disney. Um, Dumbo, uh, the Peter and the Wolf segment and Make My Music, um, Ka from the Jungle Book. And then you have John. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which like. I knew Sterling Holloway as a voice, but didn't really see him act in person until uh, his episode of the original Twilight Zone and uh, Range. Yeah, he has tremendous range. Oh, yes. You were about to get to John Fiedler. I have a story about that. Yes, John Fiedler. He Um, was in some really legendary stuff, y'all. Yeah, 12 Hmm. Angry Men. When he showed oh. up in 12 Angry Men, the entire classroom lit up because it was like, that's Piglet. <laughs> okay, yeah, I seem to remember this. So yeah. If y'all don't know, he really talked <laughs> like that. Uh, he oh, was yeah. in a Raisin in the Sun. Oh, that's he, wonderful. He was in an episode of Star Trek. Fiedler is awesome. He's one of those great character actors because he's great in everything he does. Uh, in a Raisin in the Sun, you will hate him. Mm. Uh, he's he's the face of white America in it, and ugh. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, John Fiedler has been pretty much the the voice of Piglet all the way up to his death. Mm-hmm. Almost likewise with Paul Winchell, it, it, irreplaceable as t- as Tigger. I mean, yeah. Sort of didn't wasn't there a thing with Christopher Robin where they tried to replace Tigger's voice? Uh, yeah, let's we'll t- we'll get to that when we get we'll to that. We'll get movie. to that. I wanna, okay, I, I want to get to that in that movie. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then you also had uh, Bruce Reiterman, who was Mowgli in Disney's Jungle Book, being Christopher Robin. Hello. Mm-hmm. Oh well, hello, Lola. Hello. But yeah, um, and I checked by the way to be sure that yes, Fiedler did in fact play. Um, the role of Linder twice in uh, A Raisin in the Sun. Very unmistakable voice. And considering that 
you know, he was piglet for so long. It's again, like you said, 12 angry men. It's one of those where once you connect the dots, it's amazing. And I'm kind of glad that we're talking about this because we're making a point, which is that everybody always acts as if Disney only hired voice actors to do their stuff until Robin Williams. And that wasn't true at all. Oh, no. They hired they... character actor after character actor after character actor. Oh, very much so. Because, like, even if you look at something like uh, Fox and the Hound, which Fiedler was in, uh, you had Mickey Rooney, Kurt Russell... Jack Albertson, Pearl Bailey, saying, you you had names of the era. Yeah, these were, just because they're not names to you now, does not mean that they weren't tremendous names. Yeah. Like, let's be clear about that. And even in the Winnie the Pooh stuff, because Paul Winchell was a radio guy, and uh, also, he had a really fascinating side career. Look up the artificial heart, y'all. I had only seen him in the flesh once during a, a Brady Bunch episode. But other than that, I've only known him as Tigger. Radio. He was a big radio presence. I completely believe this. And I would, I would have loved to have been uh, in his, I guess, radio audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's Tigger. Yeah. Really cool guy. You know, we talk about the animation. This was kind of one of the last big projects that the classic Disney animators were working on. And I, I, you can't underscore how much that influenced this stuff looking good. It's one of the earliest films, honestly, where uh, you had Don Bluth doing some of the animation. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. His name is in the opening credits. And you can see that you could see how this would definitely influence Bluth. Oh yeah, it's just so lush. I mean, again, and it's funny. I, I can't stress enough how funny this stuff is. <laughs> it is. I don't know what it is about British children's stories that they're just funny to everyone. Because like Paddington has the same thing. Yes, it's just. I, love Paddington. I know you do. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is staying. I want that to stay in. I want that to stay in. But like, but yes. and I think it's because, again, I think it's because there's just that very observant character thing that's going on, that sense of time and place, and it's just really effective. And the British are just really good at comedy. And I, I think that that Winnie the Pooh was never Americanized in this stuff. Thank is God. really important. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still a very British attitude through it. For the most part, the most I mean, part. it does. It did get um, somewhat Americanized later on because yeah, but I'm talking about the classic stuff. Oh yeah, the classic stuff. But but yeah, so you had many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in '77, and that would be the last of the Pooh theatrical films until 2000 with the Tigger movie, but. In the meantime, they branched out to do television shows. Uh, oh the Dis the Walt Disney Channel, as it was back then, was just starting up. And one of the earliest shows that they did was Welcome to Pooh Corner. Watched it every day as a kid. Um, this one was a blend of costumes and and puppets to an extent, and really the only pooh property where you saw the narrator i actually really quite liked this growing up it was very much way before my time for me but i did catch a glimpse of it on like an old video like one of those six hour videotapes that my grandma had where they apparently did have the walt disney channel and i'm i'm just looking at this like what what in the goddamn is this nightmare fuel? Because let let's be clear, there the costume designs are unsettling. Pooh has whites in his eyes. Yeah, Pooh <laughs> should not have whites in his eyes. And Pooh should not be able to blink like he does. They're very advanced costumes, I want to point out. Like, there's some actual work going into the design of them. It's too much work. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, kind of kind of strange, but 
unfortunately, the only... Uh, how do I put this? The show lives on in a way that it wishes it didn't. Absolutely. Because we have to talk about uh, how poo was used for educational purposes. Yeah. Most of yeah. those are perfectly innocent and harmless. Okay, so there were four educational special specials made during this uh, Welcome to Pooh Corner phase. You have Pooh's Great School Bus Adventure, which uh, apparently the Hundred Acre Wood has a bus route now <laughs> with an actual bus and an unnamed humanoid Muppet bus driver thing. I don't like that. I don't like it either. He's only in it for that short. And then you have uh, two other shorts, uh, One and Only You and Responsible Persons, which seem to be from the same, uh, like they should have been a whole piece as opposed to two separate shorts because it takes, it's these kids messing around in an attic. Uh-huh. And... In One and Only You, they don't notice the weird magic that is going on with the stuffed figures of Pooh and Eeyore. But in Responsible Persons, they do. Okay. And it also has the uh, unfortunate distinction of having the black child be the lazy one of the group. Oh, Jesus mm. Christ. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, bother. That's that's bad. Don't do that. Stop. Don't do that. Now, now, one and only you and responsible persons were for a long time considered lost media until they were unearthed. Yeah, unearthed, uh, scanned, put on YouTube. All, all of all of the specials can be found on YouTube, but the one that people will remember from this era is 1985's too smart for strangers from the director of tremors yes really yes (laughs) oh yes it is oh boy too smart for strangers that's me winnie the pooh i'm a bear who takes care everywhere and so should you be too smart for strangers be smart be quick be strong for dangers when strangers come along hello now stranger danger and street smarts are not necessarily new ground for an educational short it's that this one is insane is poo yes it's who doesn't belong in this situation (laughs) yeah no no, I, I don't need Winnie the Pooh talking about child molestation. Now, let's let's note the one good thing about this short, which is that the advice that it gives is fantastic. It actually gives a ton of really good advice. It actually gives some very nuanced approaches to things. It points out that anyone can be a danger. Mm-hmm. Holy Even shit! Your... Oh, I just said this is not Winnie the Pooh. That's the problem. <laughs> Like, they're talking about stranger danger, and yet the the entire place that they occupy, anyone who isn't them would be a stranger. Yeah. It's, it is, it's actually a genuinely paranoid work of art. Like, it's creepy. And, again, it's too explicit. And there's songs. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yes, the, uh... Stop? Yeah. Don't do... Yeah. Yeah, the most infamous part doesn't come until, like, the last ten minutes of the video. Where... Just the the concept sounds like a bad robot chicken sketch. It it is, and it is... It doesn't work at all. It really doesn't. And... Uh, Yeah, what's the most infamous part? The musical number. Yeah, the musical number for, well, basically the entire section where Pooh has to explain to Piglet uh, your bathing, yeah, your bathing suit area. Oh, oh, oh no. And, Get bad. Oh no. Yeah, I mean. Mm. You're right, Piglet. 
and all you have to know are these three important things. If you're in trouble of any kind, give out your biggest yell. Then run the other way and find a grown-up friend to tell. Let's be clear, this wouldn't be the first time Pooh dealt with a serious subject. After all, he got his ass handed to him in Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. However, <laughs> Actually, this would be the first time right. because Cartoon All-Stars came later. True. But but yeah, this is this would serve as the precedent. And, and I'm not saying anything about Cartoon All-Stars because at some point we're going to do an entire episode on it. And we're oh, going yes. to take it scene for scene, line for line, as mm-hmm. we have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the uh, the creepiest poo thing out there. It is worth noting, I, I should say, if anyone stumbles upon this or the series proper, if uh, they're able to identify the voice of Rabbit because he will be very familiar to those who were raised Christian because uh oh oh shit he just died a few weeks ago oh huh uh the the uh recently discovered late will ryan uh he is he was a petrie from land before time and the voice of Eugene Meltzner in Focus on the Family's Adventures in Odyssey. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, he did a lot of uh, westerns too. Oh yeah, a lot of westerns and also a lot of stuff for Disney. He did a number of stuff for Disney. Uh, Welcome to Pooh Corner. Additional voices for the Wuzzles and Gummy Bears. Uh, Dangerous Dan in the original DuckTales. Yeah. Long career. Oh, yeah. His last role was with Disney in, I guess, their rebooted version of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Cool. Mm -hmm. As uh, Willie the Giant, which he did in Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, as well as uh, House of Mouse. So that's cool. Go out on a high. Oh, yeah. But uh, I... (laughs) Since we're, since we're in Pooh in the 80s, I really do want to shine a light on the other 80s project. Oh, yes. The the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. A lot of 80s cartoons do not hold up. Please, dear God, do not go back and watch the real Ghostbusters. It will hurt your eyes. <laughs> oh, God, the animation is so cheap on that. But this and Muppet Babies were really a cut above. They were really intelligent, smart things. And unlike the unlike Muppet Babies, which due to rights issues will never be available again, this is available. I mean, beyond YouTube, <laughs> beyond YouTube, no, yeah, mm-hmm. Disney Plus, it mm-hmm. it's there. Oh, um, it's on yeah. Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched yeah. it with Lola not long ago, so I knew that. Oh, wow, cool. Yep. Yeah, um, it's it's really good stuff. It's really it's very true to the spirit. It's funny how they were able to make it a Saturday morning cartoon. But it just keeps that attitude. Um, of course, they spun a lot of uh, specials off of this for the holidays. So any Winnie the Pooh holiday special that you saw was spun out of this. Yeah, uh, primarily uh, Winnie the Pooh and Christmas, too. <laughs> yes, I see it's, they it's did good that. stuff. It's good stuff. Oh, yes. Um, now, this show in particular, it would be released multiple times on home video. Yeah. The first run would be under the New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh name. Uh, The second run wouldn't come until the 90s, mid-90s, where uh, different episodes would be categorized as either playtime, uh, learning, or friendship stories. Now, though, that... That was how I was introduced to the show. It was first run watching for me. I uh, I have specific memories of sitting in our dining room uh, in Veersburg as a child watching Way the Pooh on TV, like just from videotape. I still remember some of the, um, like the, of course, Disney videotape openings. <laughs> oh, from, oh, of course. Yeah, from that. And uh, also, I believe it was on Saturday morning... 
TV for a ABC. while. ABC. Yeah, ABC's like one Saturday morning. Uh, yeah. It was it was the last thing that ran for the day. Yeah. If I recall. And it and it ran in its initial run too. Uh, it ran. And, and it would also run on Disney Channel all as the time. well. Because again, Disney Channel pimped poo. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's almost like Seinfeld for kids in a way with yeah. some <laughs> some of the stories. It's very random. Oh yeah. Oh my. And for yeah. the record, I've not forgotten. It's always sunny in Pooh Corner. We're gonna get to that. Oh, okay. I want to save that for last. Yes, but uh, yeah, this is. Like, the animation, it's not as good as, no. obviously, the theatrical work, but it's still very much in line with Winnie the good. Pooh. Now, I I neglected to mention that it was actually released a third time for home video, at least in the DVD era, the early DVD era, uh, under, uh, what was it, Growing Up with Winnie the Pooh, in which... Again, assorted stories to fit a, a central theme. Now, the complete series itself, it's never been nope. never official. Will be. uh, honestly, the most it's gotten for the complete series was going to Disney+. Plus. You know, unless you have the means to uh, create your own collection, as it were. <clears throat> You're going to be doing a lot of hunting. I don't know who has those means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> impossible yes <laughs> but yeah uh this one had al- also introduced a, a number of other characters like a uh, kessie the bird um you had uh some of the woozles making in a- repeated appearances this was also the show that in that put christopher robin in a contemporary setting yeah because there are some episodes where, like, you see him going to a theater or going to a supermarket where Christopher Robin learns about responsibility for taking care of a dog. Huh. Yeah. So, and it's also really the first time you get an inkling of Christopher Robin's parents, albeit done in the style of Nanny from the Muppet Babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, they did place it in a semi-contemporary setting as opposed to the uh, strict bedroom in most of the other series and specials. This one for a while was the last show until early 2000, or, or rather 2001. But of course, in 1996, we do have to address how Disney decided to milk them. Yes, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin. The beginning of when Pooh takes a dark turn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I uh, saw that in the in the list of movies. Yeah, this this is a legit good movie. Uh, for one of their direct-to-video movies, it's one of their best looking by far. It's also one of the, the most expansive, too, because you have, you have Pooh and Co., trying to find Christopher Robin after he vanishes one day. And they conjure up some really wild stuff, like the, like all of them approaching the, the place known as Skull, this giant rock chasm cave where you could literally end up dying in there, potentially. There's a lot of threat of death in, in the short, not yeah. short, but film. Direct-to-video, uh, for me, it was a vacation staple because at the time, back in the day, before tablets, uh, my parents were smart enough to jerry-rig like a really small uh, television with a built-in VHS player and wedge it between the passenger seats. And for whatever reason, that one was always in the uh, bag of tapes we would take on vacations. This one did get a Blu-ray release under the Disney Movie Club rewards 
program in which it's literally just the movie and nothing else. No frills. And you you could tell Disney was just putting it out there just to put it out there because the art direction, it's pixelated as hell. It It's very crunchy, as the youth say it. It, it's a very bad job for a Blu-ray. Now, now the transfer itself, it's fine. It's good. It's not VHS quality. It's It takes up the entire screen. Yeah. And it's beautiful. But Disney didn't care for it. Yeah. Enough. I will say give it... the streaming version of it looks great. Yes. Because I've seen it streaming and it, it does look good there at least. Yeah. It's also the only Winnie the Pooh film to have a typical '90s end credits song. You you know the you know the ones with the synth, the celebrities. Even Batman: Mask of the Phantasm had that crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But God, if there was a movie that didn't need it, let's date it. Let's date it in the worst way possible. But like that style does not fit Winnie the Pooh at no. all. It's jarring as an adult. It's because... funny because when we get to the 2011 movie, we are going to be talking about the end credit music there, and I will have some thoughts on that. That fit yeah. way the hell better than this. Let's just leave it yeah. at that. Mm-hmm. Um. Especially since they use the same artist for, you know, the typical yeah. opening credits and then yeah. the end. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're I have a lot yeah. of thoughts in 2011. So. But yeah, uh, Pooh's Grand Adventure did not do well upon release. Shocking. Because, I mean, the dark themes especially, but Siskel and Neighbor gave it two thumbs up, so... I think it's done really well with time. Yeah, this is really the one film that definitely speaks to my generation because the quote, you're braver than you believe, you're stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think, that has shown up a lot as graduation quotes. Mm -hmm. And it's from a direct-to-video movie. That's from a good one. Yeah, how, how often can you say that? In 2000, we would get the Tigger movie, not a canonized... Disney Animation Studios film. Because but, it was meant to go direct-to-video, to be clear. Yes, direct-to-video, but damn. They looked at it and they said, no, we're not we're not, we're not, not doing this direct-to-video. They, they made the decision that, no, this is too good for that. It And it was too good for direct-to-video because you have the film exploring the implications of Tigger being the only one. And... Uh, dealing with the concept of uh, found family or making your own family. And understandably so, this film has uh, resonated with queer millennials. Because, like, you have still gorgeous animation, still beautiful music. And then you have Danger Zone himself, Kenny Loggins, doing Your Heart Will Lead You Home. (laughs) Loggins did a lot of poo music in this uh, era, let's point out. Yeah, yes, he did. But this one in particular is a tearjerker. I really love this movie, though, and I'm glad that it did get a theatrical boost. We have to point out the music thing about it, uh, the other music thing. Uh, Who came back? Sherman Brothers. Sherman Brothers came back. Oh, yes, dang, mm-hmm. yes, they did, and uh, they they still had it in them. Yeah, it's some of their best late career stuff, like. Uh, the family tree sequence where it's just a bit of an acid trip. I'm not going to lie, but it's also fitting for Tigger because he's all over the place. Like this is the one sequence in Winnie the Pooh where you have stuff that ranges from uh, the iconic Marilyn Monroe seven year itch dress to Michelangelo's David to... Busby Berkeley's, or a parody of Busby Berkeley's, uh, Gold Tiggers on Broadway. I love that. And then you also have a brief Jerry Springer reference as well, which 
yeah, it's wild. Yeah. But it's also one of those films that is best seen in like the fall and winter as is the case with the story. Um, This is also the one Winnie the Pooh theatrical film where they are in dire peril in the third act. Yes, because are. it all ramps up in the third act with Tigger uh, going out to find his act- a literal family tree and causing an avalanche. And it's here that they could all very well die. Yeah, it, there is some actual stakes. No wonder this got a theatrical release. Um, that said, no one's, no one's going to get mad at me if I say that the other two theatrical releases that we would get following this are uh, forgettable, is the word? Yes. Uh, yeah. Piglet's, big, yes. Yeah, Piglet's Big Movie, which is more more or less an anthology. In the Heffalump movie. Yes, Pooh's yeah. Heffalump movie, in which Pooh learns about racism. Oh, Oh boy, or at least differences, right? And prejudice, because in in the same way, you know, with like the Star Billy Sneeches or or Fox and the Hound, yes, yeah, yeah. Or, it's not as good as that. Or no. Star Trek's um, half black, half white, and half white, half black race. Um, yeah, the those other two outings were. Uh, how do I put it? Not as good. Yeah. They they really weren't. With uh, Piglet's big movie in 2003 and then Pooh's Heflint movie in 2005 under Disney Toon Studios. Briefly, back on television, uh, late, late 90s, we have the Winnie the Pooh Thanksgiving special. Yeah. A special that would only be released on video as part of a compilation... Uh, under Winnie the Pooh Seasons of Giving, in which it's bookended by two episodes of New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Disney has essentially buried this one, and uh, you can only either find it there, or, as is always, YouTube. And then for their preschool route, they return to puppet form with The Book of Pooh, in which Christopher Robin is somewhat older. He's roughly sixth grade-ish. We see a computer in his room. And uh, it's kind of... If you think of, like, the, the fire creatures from Labyrinth, kind kind of done in, like, yeah, that style. It is. The, the shadow... Not shadow puppets, like, actual, you know... Uh, just kind of like a chroma key. The performers out and the puppets remain. That only lasted for like two seasons at best under Playhouse Disney. And then it wouldn't get another show until uh, 2007 with My Friends Tigger and Pooh, in which there's a girl in the woods this time. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Darby and her dog Buster, uh, where she... And Pooh and Tigger are the super slews and would solve cases in the Hundred Acre Wood. And eventually she would become a foul-mouthed assassin working with Nicholas Cage. Oh yes, because Darby <laughs> is none other than a very young Chloe Grace, Grace Moretz. Interesting. Yes. Huh. There you go, there's a detail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it lasted for three or four years, and then... Pooh would not really have another television uh, special, so to speak, until a crossover episode with Doc McStuffins on as part of Disney Junior. Interesting. Yes. I mean, I guess thematically that that's right. It is. (laughs) It it is. Uh Huh. Huh. Lola's seen that episode, so. Oh, yeah. I, I have, too, in passing, but... But yeah, uh, let, let's get to the other two theatrical films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2011, mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh. Nobody saw this movie in theaters. I want to point that out, except for one person I know. Mm. I, I want to point out that Disney shot this movie in the head. 
It it really did. Oh. Just no promotion? Or? They released it against a certain monster film made by a transphobe that we're not going to name. Oh, God. Which they even cleverly hinted at in one of the trailers. Yeah. Disney shot this movie and killed it. And I will never forgive them for that because I did see this theatrical. It's uh, it's pretty wonderful. It is. It's, it's short. It is short. It's, it's only 63 short. minutes. It's 69 minutes. If you're including uh, the Ballad of Nessie. The point is, it's very short, and it's... Which is why we're not going to really have that much to say about it, frankly. Um, I will say that I love this movie enough that I have a cinema story of it. It has basically every major shot in the film t- turned into a comic book. I have a gorgeous, just pristine where you can really look at the animation and it is so pretty um music job music this time went to lopez's yes i did see that and it's good music narration by john cleese yes always yeah. always happy to see him yeah less so nowadays yeah let's, but... let's not talk about his actual oh. Movies. oh yeah. yeah john cleese is major transpo oh is he Oh. Yeah, he's he's shown himself to be an asshole. Oh, that's majorly disappointing. Yeah, turns out turns out Basil Fawlty kind of is him. So, yeah, oh, damn. Okay, yeah, yeah, this film was basically dumped by Disney because you're looking at this between uh, ba, 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 uh which films? Uh, Tangled and Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. You're talking about two major high financial peaks, and then this is an absolute pit. Oh, yeah. It was dumped, essentially. Now, this is one of the Winnie the Pooh films that I actually... I I know I'm going to be sitting at a table for one on this. I'm not all that keen on. That's fine. Because of how smooth the animation is. It is very smooth. It is unusually smooth for Winnie the Pooh. And as someone who grew up, you know, on the earlier stuff where it's rough around the edges, maybe not all the frames are there, but just fitting with that style, it's odd. Christopher Robin is what bugs me in it. If I have one complaint about the movie, it's that Christopher Robin is too fluid. Fluid and also having whites in his eyes Yeah, I didn't like that. Didn't like that. That that didn't bother me as much. Like, I mean, it's it was, yeah, it was different too. Because I watched back to back the seventy seven one and this one, and uh, that's it, whiplash. It, uh, not as much. Not like, because really, tonally, yeah, tonally, it's the same. Very same. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, the uh, um, animation is more akin to what you'd see on Looney Tunes today. Um, and of course, uh, SpongeBob voices Rabbit, so that was something I had to get over. Uh, <laughs> not that I don't like SpongeBob, but Tom Kenny uh, is distinct. Tom Kenny is distinct. You can hear him once you know he's there. Uh, <laughs> Craig Ferguson is especially distinct. Yes, <laughs> I will say it. This film has been a blessing for memes because it did give us uh, the frame of Pooh squinting at the piece of paper. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes it, it is and I, it's as i said i have this in a story um i didn't actually pay that much for it i should have paid more for it because it's really a deluxe collector's item um i don't know this is comfort food for me this is this is that um but yeah it it seems like one of those where it probably could have just been a a tv special especially Again, especially with how short it it is. So, shall we get to the movie that is a twin to Train Spotting Two next? Ah, uh, yes. And I'm serious about that because they are basically the same film. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Christopher Robin, the only, the only PG-rated Disney Winnie the Pooh film. <laughs> because I have to specify because there was. There was another film, uh, Goodbye, Christopher Robin, that was not Disney-related at all. That's the uh, A. Milne biopic. That, 
you bring up a, a thing that um, I was actually going to uh, mention just briefly on the 2011 movie is that uh, is notably rated G in an era when uh, no films are rated G anymore. Oh, and oh one yeah. Last thing, one last thing I do want to say about that. The music, uh, I mentioned the end credits music. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel uh, and M. Ward were a really good fit for this. Fantastic fit. They just fit the tone perfect. Yes, they they it's uh, good stuff. They formed the band. She she and her. Am she I correct on him. that? She and him. Excuse me. Yes, that makes more sense. But yeah, it's 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 good music. It it's pretty great. Winnie the Pooh really well. Mm-hmm. But yes, Christopher Robin, the live action Winnie the Pooh that we all initially dreaded upon its announcement. Yeah. Then they kind of got it really right. I, I, I'm kind of amazed to say this. I think they really got in the room on this one. Because um, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it yes, is it a beautiful It is a beautiful piece of work that doesn't really... It fits with Winnie the Pooh. It doesn't try to do like any kind of current modernization of the property. It is set in the past. Yes. Um, it has that feeling. Um, they, the, the, the animals themselves look more like the stuffed versions. They, they, even though it's a lot of CGI, it has a very puppet feel. The voices are fantastic on it. Let's talk, since you, you were alluding to this, let's talk briefly about what happened. What, what happened was Jim Cummings returns for Winnie the Pooh, as he'd been doing for decades at this point. And Tigger. And well, he wasn't originally going to return for Tigger. What happened was Chris O'Dowd was going to do Tigger, and oh. it didn't work. They did test screenings of it. It did not work. Wasn't the first trailer also with him? Actually, they deliberately didn't have Tigger oh. in that first trailer. Oh, because of that. Because, yeah, because they were trying to figure it out. Now, Pooh was in the first trailer, and again, Cummings was already doing the part. In fact, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was going to be doing Pooh until that first trailer. And when I heard his familiar voice, I was like, <sighs> and that's ignoring the fact that Jim Cummings is a massive piece of shit in real life. He's a, he's a monster. I want to make that clear. But it still is warm fuzzy. And then, you know, they were their back was against the wall. They had to do something. And so they just said, okay, look, you're, you're already here. You're Tigger again. They do a good job of mixing. There are a few celebrity voices. Peter Capaldi is Rabbit this time, for example. Uh, and then you have a borderline example, Brad Garrett as Eeyore. I know he's an Emmy-winning <laughs> bass actor and all that, but he's also an extensive voice actor, and he yes. does Eeyore. Oh, shit. I, I forgot, like, another another uh, point I was going to bring up about the 2011 one is that Eeyore is Bud Lucky. Yep. Which yep. is mm, great yeah. casting choice. Great casting. Yes, and so is Brad Garrett. Yeah, and it's also uh, worth noting in uh, the 2011 film that we did not have Paul Winchell or John Fiedler because they both died in 2005 within a few days of each other. Winchell first and then Fiedler. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, aside from uh, Jim Cummings as Pooh and Tigger, it's really up to whoever's casting to pick the voices for not just 2011, but here on out. I, I bring up that it's a PG Winnie the Pooh movie, but that's only because you see a brief sequence of Christopher Robin in the war. Yeah. It is, and that's like five seconds tops. I would totally show this to the littlest of kids, and I think they would feel right at home with it. Um, of course, because the movie is about Christopher Robin as an adult, this was a case where they really had to get the casting on that perfect. You had to have an actor that was going to sell this completely and not mess it up. And I just, I don't think we appreciate you and McGregor enough, y'all. I don't. It's amazing how much he commits to every single part he takes. I have never seen that guy phone a, part, a performance in, and he sure doesn't here. I have. Uh, oh, Alex Ryder, Operation Stormbreaker. Okay, that was probably something that he almost literally phoned in. So, you're right about that. But when he's given a major role, he gives everything he's got. And 
Obviously, that's why I'm making the Train Spotting 2 reference, because it's about a character played by Ewan McGregor who only gets three views. But McGregor's great here. He set, he never gives away that he's surrounded by toys. He's always completely an adult. And he's always completely selling it. And it's, it's a magical performance. Uh, the movie's directed by Mark Forster, who is fascinating to me as a director because he's the most hit and miss guy on the planet. This is one of his few hits, in my opinion. Yeah, because you're looking at a guy who gave us Finding Neverland, Stranger Than Fiction, Kite Runner, Quantum of Solace, and World War Z, just to you name a few. clearly tell which movies are his hits on that list, by the way. Monster's Ball was his. I hate that movie with fiery passion. Um, That's but then he quite had, an ectoctic list, though. But but then he has Stranger Than Fiction, and I love that movie, and this feels very much like a twin to that. It's that same tone. I can't say enough good about... I mean, all the performances are great. Mark Gaddis is great in this. Uh, Haley Atwell is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I had to note, this is... Um, second time I've seen her play World War II era. Yeah. <laughs> this is just... This is a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. It it had no right to be this good. And it really is the movie it needed to be. It's it's just a heartwarming film. You watch it and you just feel comfy. And seeing these characters in live action feels right. This feels like how they're supposed to be. Oh, yes. And we even have some new uh, Sherman Brothers songs. Yes, we do. Probably some of the last, too, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think Mary Poppins was their finale. Or... Yeah, Mary Poppins returns. Yes, yeah, that was that was that was their yeah. that was their exit. Dang, I I um I doubt though they would still be going. <laughs> and then I mean, this is good. It's good music. It's very good music. It's this is just this is just a lovely film. It, especially considering that Disney is still in this phase of adapting their back catalog for live action. This is running away the best movie they've done doing that. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Because this is an actual great film to show someone. This is something that I actually... I almost saw this twice, but Lola didn't want to sit in her seat. So, I do want to say this would be a perfect finale. But there's a little something we didn't get to mention that we can't let this cast go without me talking about. Of course, and this would be your... Corner at Pooh Corner. All right. Y'all know there's a comic strip. Um, mm-hmm. Now, because the rights issues have lapsed, you can't get this book anymore, but Dark Horse did briefly have a book out. I have it in my library. Of 365 Days with Winnie the Pooh. It was a collection of the daily comic strip. Oh my god, this is the most baffling licensed strip in the history of licensed strips. Because what they do with it is they make Winnie the Pooh into the biggest asshole on the planet. I'm serious. Winnie the Pooh has a snide remark for every single character. He treats every character like crap. Winnie the Pooh is basically what if Lucy from uh, Peanuts was a bear. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. I kind of love this strip, don't get me wrong. I value my book of it, but wow, is it weird. It is weird. If you can find collections of it online that people have put together, I highly recommend it because the art is really good. But it is a strange adaptation. It is so off-model in character, and I don't know, it's weird. But that's that's my corner here. I recommend seeking it out, but uh, it, it ain't it ain't it ain't canon as much as we want it to be. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, sick of your shit. <laughs> yeah, or as we've called it, it's always sunny in the Hundred Acre Wood. <laughs> so, oh good lord! So Winnie the Pooh, awesome. So, uh, Albert, you wanna? Sure. <laughs> Not like that. Uh, <laughs> Gunshot sounds. If you wanna know where to find us, you can find us at theomniplex.org, of course. Uh, where we post this cast, we post Order the Snoot, and we post uh, Austin Zephyr's many articles. And I should be writing one soon on uh, Kids Bop. Look for that. 
Um, let's see. You can also find us at Facebook, facebook.com slash the Omniplex. You can email us, email us suggestions, hate, love, anything. Uh, the Omniplex podcast at gmail.com. And uh, like rate, subscribe, review us on uh, any, all, all the various podcatchers. Uh, it helps us out. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. We love you. You're See awesome. Ya. Yep, farewell. See ya. And so we come to the last chapter, in which Christopher Robin and Pooh come to the enchanted place, and we say goodbye. Goodbye? Oh, no, please, can't we go back to page one and do it all over again? Sorry, Pooh, but all stories have an ending, you know. Oh, bother. Pooh? What do you like doing best in the world? What I like best is me going to visit you and you saying, how about a smackerel of honey? (laughs) I like that, too. But what I like best is just doing nothing. How do you do just nothing? Well, it's when grown-ups ask, what are you going to do? And you say nothing. And then you go out and do it. I like that. Let's do it all the time. Pooh? When I'm away just doing nothing, will you come up here sometimes? You mean alone? Just me? Yes. And Pooh, promise you won't forget me? Ever? Oh, I won't, Christopher. I promise. Not even when I'm a hundred? How old shall I be then? (laughs) Ninety-nine. Silly old bear.